I'm going to talk to you today about Holy Spirit. Jesus said this incredible thing to his disciples that is something I've meditated on my whole life. He got them around them and he said, I'm leaving. And you can't come. And so you don't feel like orphans. Holy Spirit's coming. Did you know that he was actually saying there was going to be a new leader in their lives? Jesus led the 12 disciples and the 70 that he sent out and the 500 that surrounded him and the thousands that flocked him everywhere he went. But he was leaving. And his role was to be at the right hand of the Father, having died and rose again. And he was saying to them, Holy Spirit's coming. The word spirit in the Old Testament, ruach, is, means wind, breath. The word spirit in the New Testament is pneuma, means wind, breath. And the first service, I'm just going to do a second part, we talked about the wind of God, the breath of God. God breathed into man, and he became a living soul. And, I mean, the, you, all through the Old Testament are all these types and beautiful pictures of the wind in the mulberry trees, the presence of God incubating and moving on the waters, and then God spoke. And then the fact that mankind was devoid of the of this presence of God in their human spirit. It's, it's interesting that when God created the human body at every nerve ending, all the organs, I mean, it's so astounding. Mankind maybe understands uh, one one hundredth of the, the uniqueness and the beauty of the body and all of its system. Yet until God breathed into it and he became a living soul. You and I have not been able to see what a human being should look like and function like until we saw Jesus. And Jesus came to show you and I, this is how you walk in authority. You calm storms, sleep in the brow of the boat or the bow of the boat through a storm or walk on the water. You go, oh, Liam, that's just too far out. No, that's because religion has watered this thing down so far. But the very presence of God, this wind of God, if you are born again, Holy Spirit is helping you and guiding you to raise a child, helping you and guiding you to walk with a mind so filled with peace, nothing upsets it. And every emotion is positive. And all the negative ones, meaning stuff like jealousy, resentment, and, uh, and, and, and envy, that these things which destroy the soul, you walk in victory over them and you release the very peace and the joy of God. That the presence of God flows and ignites every cell in your body with health. And it's not like the Old Testament. So many people are stuck in the Old Testament and they don't understand that the prophets of old continually talked about a group that was coming that we now call the church age where Holy Spirit that they only experienced upon them maybe seven times in their life. Elijah, 14 times. Elisha, but you and I would have an ignited alive spirit again like Adam and Eve in the garden and that the presence of God would assist everything that you put your hand to. You should do all that you do in the name of Jesus because to touch a piece of equipment is to be guided by God and God helping you to lay your hands on somebody as a nurse, as a doctor, as a mom or a dad. The presence of God is flowing off of you. You can't stop it and you need to believe this. You see, faith in God's grace is crucial and I want to just paint a picture today for 
before you that I pray there'd be a hunger and a desire within you. Because as a, as a young man, I wanted, to, I wanted to demonstrate the power of God. I didn't want to just be another voice behind a pulpit. And especially when I started preaching as a young man, I just thought, God, what do you need another preacher for? I was raised in a preacher's home. I met preachers from everywhere. Those I liked, those I didn't. Those I respected, those I didn't. Those I loved and those I didn't. And I thought, we got enough pastors, we got enough problems. But God just, he, he, he was, I said, God, if I'm going to be a pastor, then I want to see the demonstration of the power of God in my life. I'm not, I want to be like the Apostle Paul who said, I didn't come to you with convincing words of men's rhetoric, but I came to you in the demonstration of the power of God, the presence of God that changed minds and hearts and bodies, that protected, that, that you, na- this, and, and I remember God just speaking to me so clearly, he just said, of course. And I thought, well, I just don't want to be a preacher. I, I want a congregation that has no problem just praying for somebody. And they're not the, in this crazy, well, the pastor should do it all. I'm just the coach. I'm not even the player. I'm equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Everything you touch, everything that you do, the presence of God is upon you. And there is this supernatural power that, that we've just missed. People talk about it, but they don't demonstrate it. I could care less what you know. Show me what you demonstrate. I don't care how much doctrine you know. I'm tired of people talking to me after my message saying, such a good reminder. Oh, shut up. (laughs) Go do it. Because what you know doesn't mean spit until you demonstrate it. Until this peace oozes off of you and touches your whole family. Until the healing power of God restores your body, every cell, and moves upon the people that you meet. Until you just pray, and it's not trying to get the doctrines right, and get my clauses right, and how did Leon pray? It was just in Jesus' name. And it was just this, and only Holy Spirit, only Holy Spirit, knowing Holy Spirit, fellowshipping with Him. The Bible says that the communion of Holy Spirit, the love of God, and the grace of Jesus. He's looking at this one God in three persons, and He's saying, when you commune with Holy Spirit, you begin to sense the love of God. You begin to believe the grace of God, that you're forgiven, you're whole, that Jesus makes you righteous and establishes your righteousness. Get rid of the guilt. Stop. Well, you know, I just don't. Stop, stop, stop. Well, I'm just so confused. Would you stop your mouth? Why do you think he shut down Zachariah from talking for nine months? Because he'd have destroyed his own son's birth. Why do you think he shut down the children of Israel walking around the walls of Jericho? Because their mouth would have stopped the miracle. Sometimes your mouth needs to shut. Well, I just want to be real. Well, be real in faith and not real in doubt. Because your mouth is costing many people their miracles. Well, I, I, I want to speak truth. Oh, I have no problem telling a doctor what I want checked up and the new pains and the things I'm dealing with. I've got no problem talking to a banker or investor or getting advice when things aren't working out right in my finances. I've got no problem talking about problems. They just don't, they don't run my life. They don't lead my life. They're not in the first thing in my life. And so it's not a fancy talk of words. It's what's coming out of your heart. But there are times that stop talking about all your problems and just magnifying them and magnify Jesus. And Isaiah 28, 11 and 12 is a stunning verse prophesying the day you and I live in. It says, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. What? He's talking here prophetically of the day of Pentecost when 120 people walked out of the upper room praying in other tongues. With the presence of God, just the wind of God hit that room. A mighty rushing wind, the breath of God. Just like God breathed into Adam and he became a living soul. For the first time on the day of Pentecost, the breath of God 
and 120 walked up filled with the Spirit. And I mean, thousands came to know Jesus. And they laid their hands on the sick. They walked in peace. No one killed them until it was their time to go. People were just attracted day by day. And the church began to meet everywhere, in their stores, in their houses, on the streets, in the gates. Everywhere you went, people were talking. And this life that was in them was the Spirit of the living God. It wasn't, let's, de- let's debate Christianity and Judaism. Let's debate the, 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 the idols in Corinth. In fact, in the first service, we talked about how over and over the Bible says, like, why do you even bow down before a stone image covered in gold? Why do you even talk to dumb idols? And the word dumb means they don't talk back. And it says in this one, in Habakkuk, they're not breathing. If you were to look at a stone statue of some god and it was breathing, I'd freak you out. Only God, the living God, breathes. Okay, and every other idol and every other religion, every other thing that's going on, there's no life in it. We have life. Why don't you begin to demonstrate that life? Why don't you shut down your, you know, and sorry, I got an edge to me. Why don't you shut down this, this, this little, I'm going to just speak the truth. No, it's a piece of your unrenewed mind that your family doesn't need to hear and your spouse doesn't need to hear and you don't need to hear because you're planting it again in your heart as we recognize some of these beautiful truths. And so with stammering lips is talking about praying in the spirit. And then it says, this is the rest where you'll cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. And they would not hear from Isaiah. Another verse talks about cisterns. And it talks about you've given up the fountain of water, this living God for cracked cisterns that you build yourself. You know, when my dad pastored in Weldon, Saskatchewan, a little town, all the runoff water off the roof would go down pipes and it would go into, it took up half our basement, these concrete walls, and it was, it was a cistern and it would hold this rainwater and that's what would come up into the taps and things and, and if it wasn't drinkable, you'd drink from a different tap, but that was the showering, the bathing, the different things. And I remember at times looking into that cistern and seeing all the grungy stuff in there. Salamanders, frogs, green algae. It was a cistern, their water wasn't moving. It's just a concrete cistern. And maybe you go to some of these beautiful English gardens and you see all the moss and all the flowers and the dead water sitting there. And and God is saying, I'm the living water, the fountainhead of just living water. And you traded me out for a cistern that you built, whether you're serving your God, your career, your body, sex, money, whatever it is, that's your number one goal in life. That's your new God. Really, the living God. This cistern, this this fountain of living water. In Acts 3.19, it says, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing can come from the presence of God. Did you know that refreshing never leaves you? Jesus' physical body was so tired, they sat him on a well and ran into town to get him some food. And while he was sitting there, a woman in need walked up to him and he began to power up. And when they came back, they said, who fed him? He looks so good. He said, I have food you don't know of. He has sustenance you don't know of. There is something about Holy Spirit in our lives. You don't need to be a pastor. We got enough problems in the pulpit. You need to meet that mom, that dad, that business person, that financier, that grandpa. You need to be that friend, that person on the block, that when people meet you, you better be oozing peace and joy. And as you're talking to them or shaking a hand or just praying a simple prayer, it's not the wording of the prayer. It's not how can you pray? eloquently it's not the eloquence of the prayer Paul he didn't even he talked about just 
demonstration of the power of God. As naturally and as easy. You can't work it up. You just get to know Holy Spirit. And make sure that you're born again. So many people, you know, especially those raised in church, they're not born again. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, I talked to one guy in our church, and I told this to the first service, and, and, and he, was, he, he disagreed with everything I said and everything I talked about. Well, you know, and he could think of 40 problems that would negate the, the principle he just heard. And so I'd help him if I can because people need help as they're growing, and we need to help one another to grow and to think and to develop proper doctrines. But this guy, you couldn't get to, to square one with him. It was just like he knew he was right. He was negative. He was going to so sit finally said, you know, are you born again? I've been in church since I was a boy. My mom and dad was, uh, yeah, cool, cool. Sitting in a garage don't make you a car. Sitting at a McDonald's table doesn't make you a Big Mac. And going to church doesn't make you born again. Might make you a Christian because that's just a definition of somebody that thinks they follow Christ. Are you born? Is your spirit man ignited with the wind, the breath of God? And you could just see him wanting to argue and debate with me. But he sensed something on me he didn't have. He says, you know, I said, can you think of a time where you believed on Jesus? You knew he was the answer, that he was the king. And you said to him, come into my heart. I trust you. I give you my life. Did you say that? Well, I I can't remember. I don't think you're born again. He was offended, but he realized it was true. This born again experience is crucial. And then to stay refreshed. The early church, they stayed in the word, worshiping. They got out to hear the word of God taught. They didn't want church, some dry religion. They wanted to be filled with his word and with his spirit. In Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you in all wisdom. The word of Christ. He doesn't mean the Old Testament doctrines. He means you need to, first of all, know the cross how that God did sent son Jesus he died for your sin he gave you righteousness as a gift and many religious people are still trying to be good enough for God to use them that's why he uses baby Christians so easy we haven't contaminated them with stupid doctrines about well God's not going to use you until you get all this figured out all that figured out oh I wish you'd have told me that because yeah I mean like I laid hands on a friend he was totally healed yeah but you first got to wean yourself off the drugs and and were you drinking alcohol and 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 well were you yeah I, I pretty much haven't cleaned up my life too much I'm working and God still used me no kidding because it's not your righteousness that brings the presence of God in your life it's an awareness that righteousness is a gift now Clean your life up because no one will hang out with you. God will, but nobody else will. This filled with the Spirit of God. The, the early church, they knew what it was to stay full. They talked about being filled with the Spirit, and one group thinks it just means speaking in tongues. Well, it's a beautiful thing. Others just think it means being excited. Well, he's full of the Spirit today. But People on a football field can do that. An unsaved singer singing about drugs and having sex with 50 women can can act that way. No, no, this is something different. The Spirit of God. You know, every time our girls were born and now my grandkids, I would love when they were babies. And I would just hold them like this and I would just put my cheek against their cheek and I could feel their little breath. And I thought, we're breathing the same air right now. I was just so in love with them. I think you understand God is like that. He wants you breathing his love. He, he wants you to stay filled with his spirit. He, he wants you to know 
Him. And to stay filled with the Spirit of God, it literally means to have a song in your heart. It means that you're just so thankful to God. It means you just love the brethren. You're full of the Spirit of God. It's the most unselfish, amazing thing that flows in people's lives. Kids can have it. Kids, my kids would lay hands on me when I was a paramedic and, and, and sometimes going through stuff and going too hard. And, and I'd be home and they'd come over and slap this little sweaty or sticky hand on my on my face and pray and the presence of God would touch my body there's no difference in age it's not well once you read and understand the doctrines of the Old Testament New Testament and you understand please do but that's not when Holy Spirit moves Holy Spirit moves as a gift because you're righteous as a gift because he's in love with you start believing that everywhere you go the favor of God goes before you establish your heart in grace sometimes people just don't know and as you learn did you know that when you say well how does Holy Spirit work in our lives well I'm gonna just talk to you what it looks like before we even begin to go to talk did you know that every time you go to do something that there are nine gifts that Holy Spirit is just waiting to pick one for you. It might be solving a problem on your computer. It might be trying to figure out a, a strategic answer to the company that you run. It, it might be, how do you figure out this 12-year-old girl? You know, what should I do next? And as you begin to apply yourself, the word of knowledge begins to come and God will show you things about them. I would just look at my girls and, and pray and think and talk with Sally and just know what I had to talk about. It was just like the presence of God just, whew, just showed me. And I'd sit them down and say, okay, hey, let's talk about this. And you could just see their eyes going, ooh, how'd you know? They knew I heard from God. They knew Sally heard from God. I knew my parents heard from God. There was something about the presence of God in their lives as to what decisions to make, the joy, the peace, the life of God. We must recognize that when you are in relationship with Holy Spirit, there's this fresh anointing that keeps flowing. In the Old Testament, they dumped oil on somebody as a type of the anointing. In the New Testament, Holy Spirit is the anointing. He's in you and upon you, which means that you begin to rise up more of a man than you could ever be on your own. More of a woman than you could ever do with on your own. The presence of God, this most attractive, incredible, powerful thing is upon you. Jesus was no wimp. Demon-possessed people fell on their faces when villages ran because they'd break chain. They'd fall on their face at the feet of the Son of God who didn't break a sweat and he would just release them with a word. This same Holy Spirit. Leon, Jesus was the Son of, of God. So are you. Yeah, but I mean, Jesus was the... No, he gave up all his power when he became a human and he functioned through Holy Spirit like you and I do. So you can learn from everything that Jesus did. You can learn that. And until you learn to start stepping out and just pray for people. Don't put on a big show. Jesus never put on a show. He'd go, hey, gather around while I heal this person. He'd actually say, don't tell anybody. And most of his ministry is like to, it only records 17 different miracles, one person at a time, trying to show us how to minister to people. Love them. Don't, I want to get miracles. Well, is that your ego talking? Or do you love people that that's what you want to do? The Holy Spirit on the inside of us is as simple as a touch. As a 19-year-old guy, when I began to work in a hospital and began to get my paramedics, I remember just praying every day, realizing that I didn't have time in front of doctors and, and nurses and with everybody watching everybody, and we're all crammed into the resus rooms and ORs and, and things. So I would just pray in the morning, Father, every time my hand touches someone, 
I thank you the presence of God flows off me and just touches people and heals. I'll never know until I get to heaven all the miracles that did take place I don't know about because I was believing and speaking. And I could tell you if you ever heard my Healing the Sick series, miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle that I did see take place. And I wasn't a pastor, okay? I wasn't behind a pulpit. I was in everyday life. We live so far below. And, and don't get condemned. Just recognize there's so much more. There's such a love, a peace, a joy that flows off of you and that when you speak with people there's such a, a flow of the presence of the spirit of God that flows out of you and I don't let your life become this dead cistern with water just sitting in it that you built with your doctrines but instead know him commune with Holy Spirit and the word will come alive. I almost have, I got to shut my, my iPad down because you get me going in the word of God and Holy Spirit and I just start, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. When I'm preaching, we had to change stuff because I would hand my notes to my assistant and say, well, put this up on the thing. And she goes, well, you got 12 pages. Oh yeah, I'm not going to be able to preach 12 pages. So, well, how many points do I got? Well, you got 42 points. Oh yeah, that was just me hanging out with God. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's bring it down to three and I'll do a message with three. But I was enjoying him so much, I couldn't shut this thing up hour after hour. Last night I spent most of the night up. I'm just loving fellowshipping with Holy Spirit and, and he just makes his word alive. It, we drink from a fountain of water. We don't drink from a still cistern. If you could just recognize fellowshipping with Holy Spirit makes the word come alive, makes you know the grace of Jesus, the love of God, communion with Holy Spirit, so that everywhere you go, you just is. It's not a matter, am I? You already is, just be. Not trying to become something that you're not. When I begin to recognize that I could walk up to somebody, and because I started in, in the hospital field, I was walking up to sick and dying people all the time. And I began to recognize that I didn't have to figure out, was this a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom? Was it a, was it a gifts of healings? Or was it a, you know, a, a working of miracles? Or was this a gift of faith? Those were just to teach what Holy Spirit would do in me. I would just reach out and I would be sensitive and listen to him. And sometimes I would say something and sometimes I wouldn't. And either a gifts of healings would take place or a word of knowledge that would just, how did you know that? Or I would say something that just completely set this person free. And I just began to recognize that everywhere I went, I just relied on Holy Spirit. He was within me, upon me, flowing through me. And everything I did, and I would pray, and I'd see broken legs move and x-rays prove it. I'd see hearts begin to start again on the monitors, going from a flatline asystole to a completely normal sinus rhythm. And then the doctors have no clue because it wasn't done by drugs. Miracle after miracle. And it wasn't what I did. It was just a fellowship with Holy Spirit. And as I went to do something, I just believed that he was all over me that my hands were his hands that that anything I said he would back up and, and you begin out a relationship to live this life that was so filled and people say well you're so that you, you just have this uh, I remember one time sitting in a restaurant and this guy walked over and he was built I don't know how many steroids went into that boy but I mean he just walked over boom up and he stood at my table and he said I'm stronger than you I'm going I'm just sitting here by myself having a coffee. I said, cool. And he turned around at another angle and he goes, I'm stronger than you. I went, cool. I'm going, God, am I in a fight here? Like, what's going on? And I just looked at him. And I didn't let my ego get in the way or my pride or my... I just felt love for him. He looked at me in the eye and he said, but I've been watching you come in here for coffee. And you've got more power than me. Oh, I said, have a seat. And he sat down, he goes, 
You ooze confidence. I thought, I do? What is it? And I said, well, I started talking about Jesus, his presence in my life, and that I'm not trying to act confident. That's kind of like a book that goes along with dress for success. Fake it till you make it and all the world stuff. I'm just in love with Jesus and I'm just convinced anything I walk into, he'll guide me through and he'll use me to heal and protect. And, and, uh, and as I share with him, he could just sense that, that he's trying so hard to be confident and powerful and to take his place. And he was just devoid of something. And he gave his life to Jesus at that table. You could just see tears in his eyes as he came alive with the very breath, the very presence of God. Today, if you're a believer, are you living so far below what you are that someone's talked you out of it? Yes, you need a mind. I love training my mind. I average a book a day from structures to systems to psychology to all sorts of stuff to grow and train this. But I spend even more time on the mind of God that is in my heart so I can sense him and hear him and feel him and know him. And there's times it goes against my reasoning, but I want his peace, his joy. It never stops, it never ends. Holy Spirit, when he flows his gifts through you, he just picks which one. And there's times he won't do anything. And I just quickly end the conversation and move on. Don't know why, but he's not doing anything here. I could talk for hours. I think maybe the last message today in the fourth service, we're going to just talk about the practicals of hearing him and doing it and what I sensed and what I did so that we all begin to recognize that the presence of God was designed to be in you, not read about, not bragged about, not only seen in the Bible, uh, not just talked about by a few all-stars on stages and who write a book, but the, the whole purpose for the teaching of Holy Spirit is to get you, Mom, to walk in the presence of God to such a degree. And I don't mean be weird, be stupid, be wild. No, 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 just being a mom. They sense the peace of God about you. They sense and they see the healing power of God flow through you. They sense the storms that push and the strength that rises up and takes your family through. Our kids need to see the real Jesus within us. They're not going to do what we say. They're going to do what we do. And if you don't do anything with Holy Spirit, I watched my dad lay hands on the sick. I watched him hug me and love me and discipline me in a way that I didn't know what to do with him. I just felt like I needed a spanking when you got talking to him when I did something wrong. I thought, please spank me because just talking to me is worse. You know? And it was just so full of love. And it was just so what, what God was putting. And I watched my mom hear from God and know things by the Spirit. When I raised by this couple, I just knew there was a God. And I knew that you could have him in every way imaginable, helping you in everything you could even understand. And so I began to want to stay close to Holy Spirit. Because I'm not just a pastor, I'm a father. I'm not just a pastor, I'm a husband. I'm not just a pastor, I'm a friend. I'm not just a pastor, I'm a man. I'm not just a pastor, I'm a Canadian. I'm not just a pastor. And so I deal with all the same things you do. The anointing that I have to teach doesn't work on Sally. I tried. <laughs> the anointing I have to lead a church doesn't work on raising my kids. I just had to be a real dad. But I found Holy Spirit would help me and assist me. And they would see his peace, his power, his joy. They wouldn't even know sometimes what it was. But if dad was here, everything's going to be okay. You could sense God. You could sense his presence. And when you're raising it, you know, my dad would say to me, he'd say, Leon, on your worst day, it still feels better than the way a lost person feels on their best day. I pray that you treasure Holy Spirit. 
I pray that you'd recognize he's here to have fellowship with, that he wants to flow through you, that he wants to touch every air, that you are to Jesus, Jesus, I'm coming that you might have life and more abundantly. Please don't become a religious Christian. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah, uh-huh. Oh, I believe that. I don't care what you think, what you know, what you believe. What are you demonstrating? What flows off of you that makes your spouse fall in love with you after 50 years of married, do you? What makes your kids just want to come home? What makes the people around you attracted to something about you? The Bible calls it the aroma. They doesn't know what else to call it. You know, beautiful aromas are just, you know, if your wife or your daughter washes her hair with this gorgeous smell, you want to just put your, your nose in their hair. You know, if a man's got the right cologne, the right one, uh, you know, women will just go, what are you wearing? I want to get that for my husband. When we talk about aroma, in the spirit, there's something about the presence of God that just attracts people to you. When you work, when you play, when you drive, they don't know why you need Holy Spirit. Please commune with him just fellowship with him and you're going to begin to catch the wind under your wings and it'll affect every other area of your life father today i sense your presence so strong i pray that you would just put a desire in every person here that they're going to do everything in the name of jesus meaning the spirit of god assisting them with everything they put their hand to let this message just ignite within the body of Christ all around the world. To be led by the Spirit of God. To sense Him and know Him and to enjoy Him. And for those who don't know you, I pray that they would become born again. If that's you, just say, Jesus, I choose you. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. I'm following you the rest of my days. You're going to start this incredible journey, but born again, alive with his presence. Keep following the program. Keep following our church. Keep coming out to church for those that are here. And let's continue to believe that your life, stop listening to Murphy. Murphy doesn't know anything. That's why they call them Murphy's Laws. Doesn't know anything. Why don't you find out the spirit of life and what he's going to do in your heart?